morning, all. You okay? Yeah, buddy. Oh, she... I mean, we've just talked about getting gifts and surprises, but I'm not sure you meant to leave me your phone. Um, I could sell that on eBay. Good to see you all. Um, thanks, Herb. Uh, yeah, it's great to see you. For those that I haven't met before, my name's Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I am going to be talking to you today all about God's presence. Um, and just before we start, you know, we talk about, sometimes it can feel a bit in church, right? Like, someone gets up, says some stuff, we all go, ah, that's good. We all go away, forget about what was said. But actually, when we start to experience the things that we talk about, things become real and things actually become transformational in a way that you can't deny it. So just before I even start to speak, um, Kat during the worship has just effectively stood and felt and seen an angel next to her as she worshipped this morning. Now, you have two choices here. You can either think that Kat is unwell, (laughs) that she's lost her mind, Um, and that she's nuts, and we should review whether she should be able to lead worship, or we believe that actually there is a supernatural realm that is way outside of our understanding that we keep putting in a box and making small enough for us to get our head around when actually God is saying, if you let me out, I will show you there is so much more. Those are your choices, and genuinely, with all respect, you get to choose which one of those that you think is true. Either she's mad or God is able to do things that are outside of our understanding. Um, I would suggest you spend some time with Kat to work out whether you think the first one is true (laughs) or not. (laughs) Um, So you have found us in the middle of, well not really in the middle, near the beginning of um, a series we're doing on the culture here at Numa Church. Um, For those of you that may be new or recent to us, we've been in a transition season where we were part of the vineyard movement for many years. We were Ashford Vineyard. We then felt God leading us out to become an independent church, New Church, um, and we've really started this transition by talking about what is it like? Who are we? What is this ch- church family like? What do we want to see? What are we devoting and dedicating our lives to? Um, and when we talk about culture, oh, could I have my first slide, please? Thank you. This is what we mean the environment we curate to nurture the things we wish to see. It's like a greenhouse. You have to put the right... What, are the, what is the environment that we are trying to curate to see the things grow that we want to see grow? And we would encourage you um, to grab... There's some culture journals at the back. Um, and if you haven't got one already, this is a way for you to explore this stuff in a deeper way. And then also, um, there is a QR code that we absolutely believe that this culture journey is best done with travelling companions um, rather than on your own. And so if you want to explore some of this more with people, then if you scan the QR code, which is at the back as well, there are groups of people all over the place who would love to do this with you. So diving in, here are our 11 statements, and I am going to be talking today about number two, we live in God's presence. Um, And all of these have got two parts, so Mr. K is going to be uh, picking up on the second part of this. And there are actually four little statements that come under this in our culture, and I'm focusing on just these first two today. So I know you've only just sat down, but I'm encouraging you, if you are able, do stand, because we are trying to get into the practice of, I'm a a speech and language therapist, and um, I absolutely see firsthand the power of the spoken word. 
And the Bible talks loads about life and death being in the tongue. So if we want to see something, and actually, even if our minds or our bodies aren't in agreement, when we speak, there's something powerful. And so we want to get in the habit of speaking this stuff out. So let's speak this together. We believe that the presence of God brings transformation and look to create spaces and opportunities where we learn to recognize God's presence and enjoy spending time with him to deepen our connection. And number two, we are carriers of the Holy Spirit and are called to bring life to others wherever we go. Amen. Grab seats. Good stuff. So I'm going to start by clearing up a little bit of confusion. Just when I think I understand a bit about God's presence, he moves in a way I don't expect or don't understand. And then I realize I haven't got a clue about God's presence. So I'm not standing here as any expert today because I am a lifelong learner about God and his presence. And actually, every time the goalposts just keep moving as my mind gets expanded to this stuff. But one of the things that can be confusing is that on the one hand, we talk about asking God to send his presence. Or we say like, come Holy Spirit, or God, come and be with us. And then on the other hand, we say, well, if we've said our yes to Jesus, and we have dedicated our life to following him, he's always with us. And that feels a little bit contradictory, right? It's like, do you have to ask him or even convince him? to come with his presence, or is he there all the time? Well, I would suggest that both are actually, there is a tension found in the middle of this. And the analogy I would use is about air. Now, for many of us just sat here now, we are not particularly aware of the air around us. And yet, science will tell us it absolutely exists, even though you're not particularly feeling it. But if you were around when Storm Eunice was kicking about a little bit of time ago, you would know that when the air is moving in a more violent way, we feel it more. We can't deny it. I mean, actually, there were so many videos online of people like leaning into the air and the the wind holding them up. Now, it doesn't mean that air is only available when we can feel it. Air is there all the time, but sometimes we are much more aware of it. And sometimes it's moving so strongly or powerfully in a way that it actually impacts us and everything going on around us. And I would suggest God's presence is a bit like that. It's always there, but we're not always that aware of it. And we're not always aware of its presence until we start to see things move around us and we feel it in a way that we're like, huh, a bit like Kat did this morning. The other analogy I would say is, have you ever had a situation where on your phone or on your computer you've been trying to play music through something and you can see the bar moving and you can see this, the seconds ticking but you can't hear anything and then you realise it's on mute. Has anyone else had that situation? where, Or it's turned down really low and you're like, why is this just not working? And then you have the really embarrassing moment of like turning the volume up at the side. It's the same. The idea that God's presence is there. It's playing. His tune is playing. His song is playing all day long. But sometimes we need to turn the volume up a little bit. And actually, the volume is too low for us to perceive it. But if we actually realize, why am I not perceiving it? We can partner with him to do what we need to do to turn him off mute and to start turning the volume up so that we can perceive that melody that God is singing over us all the time. So is is it there all the time? Yes. Do we always feel it? No. But is it always available? 
Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we are invited into is becoming better uh, notices of God's presence, better partners with God's presence. Now, if we want to see a story in the Bible that really, really brings this message home of the priority of God's presence and how important it is. We find it in Exodus, which is back in the Old Testament. Um, And this is where uh, Moses has been leading people um, on this very long journey to try and get to the promised land. And it's probably, for me, one of the most amusing lines of scripture is found in this passage that I'm about to read to you. It's coming up on the screen. If you've got a Bible, then go to Exodus 33. And it starts like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised you on the oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. So this is God saying, I promised you this, this amazing promised land. I've promised I'm going to take it. I'm going to take you there. I'll send an angel before you and I will drive out all the people with long names. And then I will go up to the land flowing with milk and honey but sorry, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're stiff-necked people and I may destroy you on the way. <laughs> it just like, it made me laugh so much. I don't know if you have ever been around small children or people who actually you have to say to them, you need to go now or I may destroy you on the way. It's like that thing of, you know, when you're actually saying for your own safety, give me some space at the moment. This is like God saying, do you know what? I am so done with you people. You people have driven me absolutely mad. And if I even go with you for a short while, I may destroy you. So it's best you go on your own. Except Moses is not up for that deal at all. And this is what happens next. We jump forward a few verses. Verse 12, Moses says to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know who you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and to continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Paraphrased, if you're not going... I'm not going. Moses basically is being given uh, an opportunity to go into this amazing promise. And he's saying, hang on, if you're not going, I'm not going. That is how much he values God's presence. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And actually, there's another bit read it afterwards. I haven't got time to go into that today. But I find it really fascinating that Moses has been uh, invited into this promise that's to come. This whole journey is all working towards the promised land, the promised land. That's like success. But isn't it interesting that God isn't saying you don't get that. He's saying you can have that, but you can't have my presence. And Moses knows God so well that he is willing to lay down the fulfillment of that promise. He's absolutely willing to lay down what would be comfort, success, all of those things, because he says, if you're not coming, I'm not willing to go. How much in our lives do we actually prioritize God's presence above our own comfort, 
above seeing the promises that he's spoken over us fulfilled. You know, we're like, oh, we love your presence when it does this for me. When you do this for me, I love being in your presence. When you answer my prayers, oh, I love that. But instead here, Moses is showing first things first. Before we actually go into all of those promises, comfort, fulfillment of dreams, you and me. And if it's not you and me, then it's not happening at all. And I think that is an invitation to us of actually prioritizing God's presence first. But the thing about God is he is infinitely patient. Like, oh my word, like the fact that he has asked all of us as his children to partner with him on this like world-changing mission is a bit mad, but he's so patient with us. And he, is, he still loves us when we just go to him like a slot machine. You know, I would think it was probably fair to say that for most of us, our prayer life goes up when there's something wrong. When we need something, when something's not right, when we're scared, when we're worried, when there's something uncertain, suddenly we seek out God's presence more because we need it. It turns out we actually need it all the time. But what happens is we turn up the volume when it suits us. And we're like, actually, God, you can do something for me now. So here I am. I'm stepping into a place of seeking your presence. And he's so patient. He's so patient. But I think it also really grieves his heart. I think it grieves his heart because he's saying, come to me for who I am, not for what I can do for you. Live in my presence because of who I am and how I feel about you, not because of it being self-serving or seeking or doing something for you. And I've had to ask myself some really honest questions around this culture journal. You know, this whole journey of, you look at those statements, why do I want to see those things happen in my life? Genuinely, why do I want? Do I want it because I know that living in God's presence and being that closely connected with him is where my thriving is? Or is there an element for me that wants some great stories? I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel like I'm making a difference in the world. I want to feel like I'm seeing change. And it's about, it's not that God says he doesn't want to do all those things, but he says, can we just get the first things first? Come and get filled with my presence first. And then when you partner with me, let's see what we can do together rather than this back-to-front way of doing it, where we basically, when he's doing what we want him to do, it feels great. When we're not seeing evidence of God moving, our connection is hollow, and it all starts to kind of feel like it's on very shaky ground. I want to burn for just being able to be in his presence for no agenda. You know that song that we just sung? I'm sorry for when I come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. I want to burn for just being devoted to living in his presence and then going out and seeing transformation. And in Psalm 27, 4, we see this, which says, Here is the one thing I crave from Yahweh, which is a name for God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, Beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace, I want to contemplate in his temple. How many of us crave and are the one thing we seek above everything else is his presence? I know I don't. And, you know, I, that's, 
not like a, a woe is me thing. It's like an honest reflection on this is what I want to see happen, but I know it's not there yet. But how would my life look different if I actually really found a place of craving his presence, longing to be in it? So that if I felt like I'd stepped out, the volume had gone down, even for a few moments, I would be so acutely aware that I would be turning the volume up rather than just getting distracted with the things of life. So how do we do it? Well, I honestly believe that it starts with mindset. I think it, change, it starts with a change of mindset over what is possible. So in that first, um, first sub-statement, we believe the presence of God brings transformation and look to create spaces and opportunities where we learn to recognize God. I think the key is in that opening. We believe that the presence of God brings transformation. You have to either believe it or you don't. If you believe God's presence brings transformation, then your mindset changes as to what's possible. And suddenly you seek it out more. Suddenly you're thinking, do you know what? If he can bring transformation by being with me and me being in this space, I'm going to go after that. I'm going to go after seeing more of that happen in my life. And the question that I have for you and for me is when you walk into a room, what is the first thing you're aware of? Are you aware of the problems, the issues, your own personal insecurities, the to-do lists, the stuff like that's going on? Are you most aware of that? Or is the first thing you're aware of, God, what are you doing in this space? And what do you want me to do here? The human mind goes straight to what we see in front of us and we respond. But when we live in God's presence... It's a different noticing, and it's a case of, I've just walked into Lidl. God, what are you doing? What are you doing here? When I stand at a bus stop, rather than me checking the app, it's a case of, God, what are you doing with these people at this bus stop, with these people on this bus? That is a totally different mindset. It's first things first. Not, I'm going to go and do all my food shop, and then on the way out, I'll ask God if there's anything he wants me to notice. It's the other way round. First things first. I think the other thing we need to do if we want to become people who notice and recognize what God is doing is we've got to stop our expectations limiting what we think God can do. Like if we've got a box of what we think God will do, how he'll move, what he'll do, when he'll do it, how often he'll do it, he will not be restricted to our box. And so we restrict what we see in front of us because of what's going on in our heads So recently, you guys saw a video a little while ago of a lady called Shelley, who experienced an incredible um, physical healing. It was just a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, She didn't didn't have a faith per se. Um, In fact, she said, I don't think I have got a faith other than I pray if I'm really in trouble. Um, And so she had an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. And what was interesting is as I was praying for her, I started to feel my body swinging like I was sat on a a swingy, uh, what are they called in a garden? A swing. Swing chair. Have they got a special name or are they just a swing? A swinging swing. Thanks for your help, everyone. Um, I felt like I was sitting on a swing, basically. And I thought, oh, maybe I've got a bit of vertigo. That's weird. Um, And because I've never experienced God's presence like that before. That's not normal for me. Feeling like my body is moving in space in that way 
I've never experienced that before. So my immediate mindset was, I'm feeling a bit dizzy, or actually, is this seat slippery and moving? Or, and then it was only when I then opened my eyes and I said, oh, it's really weird, I felt like I was swinging, that Shelley went, oh, that's exactly what I felt. I felt like I was completely swinging. Now, what's interesting there is, that was a gift for me. God sent that as a gift for me because he was saying, I'm trying to open your eyes, Nick, to the different ways that I move and I feel. And you just keep expecting me to do it one way. And I've got so many ways I want to do it. But we have to lift our expectations up into when we say, spirit, move, we're ready for you. Are we really? Are we really? Because I think sometimes we say, spirit, move, do what only you can do as long as it feels okay for me and as long as it doesn't look too weird and as long as it's not embarrassing and as long as I feel in control. Other than that, spirit, move, blow on through, yeah, do what only you can do except for not that, 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 that or that. Like, oh gosh, no, I don't want to be that person that's like on the floor. Like, oh, don't do that. Or, you know, don't do the thing where suddenly I'm singing in a different language or, you know, that's embarrassing. Or, you know, we have to just lift the lid of our expectations. We have to. And I think one of the questions I feel as I've sat there this morning is, we talk about spirit blow on through. We've got a little fan in our room. It's like sleeping in a wind tunnel. Chris gets hot and I so it's basically the fan is on. Um, but it's quite a gentle, it's a gentle breeze, but it's very present. We've got to ask ourselves the question, do you want to live in an environment with a fan or do you want to live in an environment like Storm Eunice? What do you want? You want the fan and you want Eunice. Basically, what happens when the wind is so powerful that we cannot control what happens around us anymore but do we want it and it's okay if you don't like it's really okay if you're like I'm not sure actually I quite like my relationship with God in a really contained way and I quite that works for me like honestly all power to you I would suggest there is something available to you that will blow your mind and will bring transformation around you but it starts with this decision of do you want it When we say, I want to live in God's presence, do you? Because God's presence is messy. God's presence is unpredictable. God's presence is powerful. You can't put it in a box. Now do you want to live in God's presence? Good. Some of you do. That's good news. And that leads me on to this whole kind of how do you do the creating spaces and opportunities? And I would suggest that Ashford would be totally transformed if everyone who was a part of the Numa family asked these questions of God in every room they went into. Hang on, I'm scooching all the way through. Here, I'm imagining you've gone to a restaurant for dinner, you've gone to do your food shop, you're on your commute to work, you're sat at your desk, you're on your lunch break. If we became a people hallmarked by every room we walk into, we ask these questions of God. What are you doing right now? What are you about to do? And how can I help? If we ask those questions of God, I honestly believe that transformation will come. You see, Jesus did something where he healed a lame man on the Sabbath. It was scandalous. The religious leaders were like, boo, you aren't allowed to do that. I mean, they were just looking for reasons to get him in trouble and kill him. But this was like crossed a line. And do you know what? When they said to him, well, you know, you shouldn't be healing anyone on the Sabbath. This is Jesus, by the way. This is God in human form, fully God, fully man. This is how he responds. 
Every day my father's at work and I will be too. Do we live like that? Every day my father's at work and I will be too. And then he goes on to say this. Because the father loves his son so much, he always reveals to him everything that he's about to do. And you'll be amazed. So God is not trying to keep secrets from us. He's not trying to like keep it back from us. He's saying, if you ask me, your food shop will never be the same again. If you ask me, your commute will never be boring ever again. If you ask me what I'm doing and then ask me how you can get involved, your school run will never be the same again. But do you know what? We have to be willing to be intentional about carrying, being carriers of God's presence. And that is that next statement. We are carriers of the Holy Spirit and we're called to bring life to others wherever we go. Last night, Chris and I hosted um, a barbecue for Ashford Sings. Um, We can't get them all in at once. There's 120 people in the choir, so we're doing four barbecues of 30 people. Um, And we had 30 people in our garden last night. And if ever you need evidence that we need to be carriers of God's presence, spend time with any group of 30 people. There is brokenness. There is loss. There is wrestling, there is fear. In any any group of 30 people, if you actually take the time to invest in them and and ask for their story, it's not just, I mean, it's not like just the choir has got a lot of need. But do you know what? Within a 15 to 20 minute little time sat in a circle, I heard a story of a lady who had a brain tumour, a lady whose husband died at the age of 39 in November, another lady whose husband died 10 years before who's supporting her, someone whose daughter has had cancer three times and that she actually was in remission and the day after she was in remission, her husband got diagnosed with cancer and he died just before her 19th birthday. This is, I didn't, I didn't go looking for these stories And do you know what? In my humanity, I cannot do anything to bring relief to those people. But I am a carrier of God's presence. And when I listen and when I speak, do you know what? The word for presence in the Old Testament is face of God. So actually what's interesting is when people talk to me and tell me what's going on in their life, if I'm a carrier of God's presence, when they look into my face, I would hope that they actually are looking into the face of God. That's not arrogance. That's not me saying, oh, when you talk to me, it's like talking to God. No, but when you talk to me, it is like talking to God because I carry his presence. And I'm not there yet. I haven't got all the answers. I'm so like, I mean, God's solutions, wisdom here, mine, all the way down here, but I do carry some of it because it's my dad. And when people look in my eyes, they see my dad. But I would suggest to you that if I turned up at that barbecue, or turned up, it was at my house. If I, <laughs> if I was at the barbecue last night and people all came and my focus was on making sure that everyone gets fed, making sure that everyone has a drink and making sure that everyone's warm, those people and me would have missed out on God's presence. And what's interesting is I didn't pray for one of them. You don't have to say, God says, and by the way, Jesus says, you don't have to do that. When you carry his presence, you carry it into every conversation. And actually what's really interesting is one of the ladies there said, I don't know why, but my life is changing. So she was the one that lost her husband. Something's happened since I've started coming to choir. 
And let's be honest, no offence to the musical director, who's my husband, it's probably not the singing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, you know, the singing's great, but actually she has come into a space where God's presence loves to reside. And she's found hope. It's community. We had one lady recently, I'm getting carried away with stories, time is short. But we have um, one lady recently who, um, she was going through cancer treatment, couldn't come to choir. She got another lady in the choir to audio record the rehearsals to play for her, so she could play them at home. And she said, she got up and spoke and she said it was what got her through her treatment. If that's not God's presence, I don't know what is. Listening to an audio recording of a choir rehearsal that you're not even at became pivotal for her in her finding a place of healing. Why? Because God's presence is in us and it is out in this space. Let's turn the volume up. Let's actually take God off mute for longer than we allow him in our spaces in our day. Oh, you're allowed off mute now. I've got five minutes. How about, let me out all day? How about everywhere we go, we go there first. God, what are you doing already? What are you about to do? Because it says in the Bible, he wants to tell us what he's about to do. And then how can I help? And I honestly believe that that is the key to living in God's presence. We carry him into these spaces. And I know we are slightly overrunning, but I just want to finish with a couple of things. One is... Um, When we have a possibility mindset about what God's presence can do, it changes how we think about people and situations. And many of you know Vicky Tatton, um, who is up in kids today. She's a social worker. And a while ago, she told um, our invest group that she was um, going to be doing an interview to train as a specialist social worker who can section people effectively. That's a very specialist mandate as a social worker to be able to go in and be the person that actually makes a decision that someone's mental health is so severe that they need to be sectioned for their own health. (laughs) That's okay. And and she, when she said this, I said at the time, wouldn't it be amazing if you did all the training and you never had to section anyone because every time you were called and you walked into the house, that person became in their right mind. And you became known as the social worker that never has to use the powers of sectioning. Because actually, every time she goes into the space where she's called to make the decision, that person actually gets a breakthrough in their mental health because she carries God's presence in. So anyway, she had her interview this week and she got onto the course, which is not really a surprise. She's amazing. She got on and I sent her a message and I said, I'm so excited to hear the fact that you have the lowest sectioning rates of all of the social workers on your team. And I absolutely believe it to be true. Why? Because I've come to believe that when we live in God's presence, things can happen outside of our understanding. And why not? And why not? And the last thing I want to finish with is we sometimes sing um, a song here, which is called When You Walk Into the Room. And it's about Jesus walking into a room and everything changes. And the lyrics say, when you walk into a room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all you do. 
Now, I would like to suggest something which I don't think is heresy, but if it is, please email Chris. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And that is, I honestly believe that that song is about you. It's me and it's you. So I'm going to read the lyrics again. Let's stand. And I'm going to declare this over you and me because I believe this is what possibility looks like when it comes to living in God's presence. So... As I speak this over you, I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you, just so that you know. So yeah, get in a posture to receive. Hand on heart, hands out next to you, however you feel comfortable. Put your name in the beginning of this. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish and every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all you do. Father, we stand here today as family saying that we want to believe those things that you say about us. We want to be people that live in your presence, that live in your presence in a way that goes outside of our understanding, that we remove the limitations we've placed on you by our human expectations and we hold our hands out and we say, take us, use us. Let our words and our hands partner with your presence to see transformation come in every single room we walk into. And I thank you, Father, that even when we don't see evidence of that happening, it is outside of your character for you not to be moving. And so help us to become noticers of your presence, learners of your presence, that we would learn to tune in to what you're doing and then to partner with you from a place of surrender. And Father, we ask that you would do it in us and that we would then see life spill out of us as we overflow that would change this town, the people in this room, the people that never come into this room. God forbid that we would ever keep your presence in this building. But we ask that you would give us an audacious courage to carry your presence into every school, into every doctor's surgery, into the hospitals, into our gardens, into our supermarkets. That we would become contagious carriers of your presence. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.